I will initiate self-destruct sequencing. Episode 228 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witt. And we're back again to talk about the latest episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 5. Uh, which seems to be getting a bit of a mixed reaction from what I see online. Uh, however, regardless of the reaction, I hope you guys are ready for Halls' Conspiracy Corner. I'm going to drive my two friends here tonight crazy with evidence it's gonna be like an episode of law and order and you oh, know man. you know you want me to be your devil's advocate uh somebody might need to <laughs> um i'll say this you know i've got at least a decent theory going when steel saunders himself buys it he of the your so- snoke theory suck sticker himself was like i don't know man that seems pretty good Anyways, you know we've been lining up special guests to talk about The Mandalorian. It's a celebration of The Mandalorian. And this week we have one of my favorite podcasters, a a very good friend of ours. He's been on the show several times. He is someone who knows that Echo Brain is the future. He's from the Geek Dudes podcast and Hey Hey, It's the Podcast. It's our buddy Chris Fresh. Hello there, whores and will and listeners to Blue Harvest. Good to be on. I I call this time of year whores Christmas because <laughs> I think the Mandalorian is just everything whores that I imagine you like if you could ask Santa Claus for something for Christmas Star Wars related, it is the Mandalorian. Dude, um so it's a special time of year. It's an embarrassment of riches of things I'm into in Star Wars between the Mandalorian and a really good Star Wars video game just having come out like uh yeah pretty stoked on Star Wars right now not that I'm not always stoked but it's a little extra lately Will where where are you like are you more excited by what's going on with the Mandalorian or are you on the episode 9 hype train I am super excited about episode 9 but uh this whole Mandalorian thing is like pleasantly taking my attention away from that. It really is. My, all of my attention is focused on the Mandalorian in the back of my mind. I still know episode nine is coming, but this Mandalorian thing has me super hype at the moment. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like it's a week and a half away. Right. And we'll be in cinemas watching the end of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Like it's so bizarre to me. And I'm like, I'm not knocking it. Like I, I'm loving this Mandalorian stuff, but to me, the 
and this is just me being the freak out fan that I am that always goes, what are they doing? It feels like the marketing for episode nine's not hit a home run, but I don't know if that's because I've decided I don't want to see TV spots, et cetera, et cetera. But it just seems like some of the posters, some of the magazine things and stuff, it, it hasn't quite swept me up with the fever like the other two movies have. I, I, I agree. Like the trailers have been good. And then, you know, I watched the first couple of TV spots, but then after a, a like two or three of them, I was out like I'm, and I, I think if it wasn't for the Mandalorian, I would be all in on the TV spots and stuff. Cause I was for all the other movies. I've never cut myself off from TV spots before, but the fact that I have the Mandalorian to distract me, it's crate Like episode nine has snuck up where the previous years, it felt like a drag getting to star Wars release. Like it was taken forever. Yeah, this is um, like, I haven't bought any episode nine merchandise which i normally do but i grabbed mandalorian figures um like i grabbed cara dune i've grabbed the mandalorian and i just got ig11 in um and i'm gonna get big paz vizsla pretty soon as well like those toys are pretty sweet but nothing has gripped me from episode nine but i know when i'm sitting in the cinema it's going to be, oh, yeah, nothing else matters in Star Wars because we're getting the ultimate, which is always Star Wars in the cinematic form. Yeah, and I, look, I'm I'm very excited for Episode Nine, and I do feel like in the past maybe week or two, the marketing has kind of taken a swing. I see people awfully excited about little bits and TV spots. Um, you know, I'm trying to avoid anything specific they're talking about. And then as far as posters go, I feel like the last week they've been bringing out like the region exclusive posters Mm -hmm. and all I haven't seen one that I thought was bad. Like I think the Australian one is really cool. They showed one today um, with Ray that was really neat. So I don't know why those don't end up making the cut as the final poster instead of, you know, like the weird poster with the hot toys Palpatine in the back, you know? Yeah. That I, I can't actually think in my head of what I consider the definitive episode nine poster. Like if you had that great setup where you had one poster from each movie across right. all nine, I, I don't think I've landed on one for the rise of Skywalker where it's like, that's it. Right. And that, that's kind of confusing to me because with every other Star Wars movie, I have what I consider to be that, even though there are alternates, I have the Mm. one in my head that I consider to be the poster. You know, like the teaser poster for uh, The Phantom Menace is really cool with Anakin and the the shadow of Darth Vader, but I kind of consider the Drew Struzan like collage poster to be the poster, you know? Yeah, I think they've missed Drew Struzan because he he did that. Was it a D twenty three exclusive for um, the Force Awakens? But that was all he did. Yeah, and I honestly feel like there might have been some weirdness behind the scenes with that Be- mm. because if he you, got the Rinsler treatment. Yeah, well, if you look at it, like that poster, 
it's it looks good because it's Drew Struzan, but it's definitely one of the weaker Drew Struzan Star Wars offerings, and it almost seems like they took disparate elements that he had drawn up and sort of photoshopped them together or put them together. Like it didn't have that composition that I think no, of. No, it was odd. Yeah, and I wonder if, like, I don't know. Like, I can't, I can't even speculate on what what went down. But the fact that they got him involved for that makes me think that at some point maybe he was gonna do the final poster, and then they went with what I consider to be a fairly weak, you know, sort of photoshoppy poster for the the Force Awakens. That's the one with the Star Killer base, sort of. And it's divided by, um, divided in the middle, light side, dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like it, I, it's just a weird time as a Star Wars fan because I think we're so used to just focusing on one thing. But it's an embarrassment of riches. I'm I'm not complaining. It's just odd. It is. I, it is I'm... odd because it's the first time. Well, I mean, I guess if you're a kid, you know the animated shows were out there and stuff, but. And I don't look, know, for as a grown adult show. Yeah, I enjoy Rebels and things like that, but having Rebels on leading up to like episode seven and episode eight, Rebels was still <gasps> around then, right? It, yeah. it, it, I'll be honest, did not have the impact that watching weekly episodes of The Mandalorian is having. And I It's don't, blowing me away. Yeah, I don't know if it's the difference between animation or uh, in live action or the fact that the live action show is focusing on something I like so much that it's just, it's not, it's not had the same effect to the point where I've actually fallen behind on resistance. And I enjoy that show. I actually will probably, I, I bailed after the second, like second or third episode of this season. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not shown here in Australia. So it makes it hard to access it. Um, And so I've sort of got to go out of my way to get to it. But I, I just don't have time for it. Like, I think if there was nothing else around, I'd probably give it a watch, but it's not, they, it's certainly not, it doesn't feel like it's, you're missing anything if you don't see it. Right. And it's one of those things where like, you know, uh, season two will eventually be on Disney plus. I'm sure I'll watch it before Mm -hmm. then, but it it almost seems like a, oh, I should catch up on Resistance. I never finished that up type of deal for me, at least at this point. It's hard to focus on anything with The Mandalorian and Episode Nine. is is the issue. And I tell, you what I, did, I tell you what I did hear, though, and it cracked me up because I don't think I've ever heard it before, not in Australia. I was listening to the Golden Oldies station because I've become that guy, and they actually played a radio commercial for Episode Nine. Really? Um, complete, yeah, complete with sound effects and stuff. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard a radio commercial for. I I guess I hear ra- radio commercials for movies. I've never really thought about it, but this was specifically an episode nine um, in theaters, December nineteenth, um, radio ad. It was like a trailer for the radio. It was it was pretty cool actually. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anything like that before, but maybe cause I've never listened to the golden oldies station. That's who they're, that's who they're marketing to now is like, all right, are you old fucks? <laughs> here's your hits from the nineties and, um, here's your commercial for star Wars. I, I don't think I've ever heard a radio commercial for star Wars. That's interesting. I never listened to the radio though. Like that's the thing. Like when, when Spotify I, Spotify has a lot of plugs. 
Oh, does Spotify's it? got a lot of. Com- I have the regular Spotify, not the premium, so I hear all the commercials. Have you heard and, a Star uh, Wars one? Oh, there, there's this one they play every time. It's about um, this chick's like, "Hey, Dad, you want to play Star Wars?" And you know, whatever. And the dad's just like, and she's like "Okay, you got to You got to quit with the Chewbacca voice." Nice. And he's like, "All right." deal and like that's pretty much the whole angle of the commercial but it comes on all the time on spotify <laughs> when i'm listening to the christmas music or whatever other channel that's seriously what embarrassment of riches remember there was a time where you'd get excited if there was a little blurb in the newspaper about star wars right and now there's so much stuff that we can't even keep track of it all and just go nah look i'm not going to pay attention to that and chris buddy we make it our personal mission and hobby to seek this stuff out and talk about it. Like, yeah, we do. And we still all miss stuff. That's what's crazy about it. Like, mm. you know, it, it, you go from, uh, hey, welcome to Blue Harvest. Don't have much to talk about this week <laughs> to... Uh, Blue Harvest started in an era where Star Wars has been dead for 30 years, you know, and then yeah, all of a sudden... I mean, boom. Even, well, to be honest, we started in a really good... I mean, it was right after the, the Chewy Were Home trailer came out. So we, we, I mean, we could have been <laughs> podcasting in a much more dead Star Wars time. Where, we could have. Where we're like, you want to talk about Scoundrels by Timothy Zahn this week, Will? <laughs> yeah, right. Talking about cock-a-duty speculating and none, been nothing but. <laughs> well, I've never gone back and listened, but like Geek Dude started in 2012. Mm-hmm. No way I would have had any Star Wars to talk about. Like, it might have been, like, eventually the sale, I guess, which was I heard the that end of episode. 2012. Yep, I heard you guys um, okay. on that episode. Yeah, I, I can't remember what we talked about last episode, let alone back then. But, um, yeah, like, it's it's weird that we've, uh, that we're now in this thing that there's there's always going to be something Star Wars related to talk about. Yeah, and even with the, the break in movies, like, you know, we've got, like, a three-year gap coming up. With all these series, like, that's essentially, you know, 30 to 40 minutes if it follows the Mandalorian's uh, runtime, uh, uh, chunks of movies to talk about at least once a year. And then, uh, you know, I, I think it's inevitable with the Cassian series, even though I guess there's rumblings that there might be some issues with that. The Obi-Wan series, season two of the Mandalorian, the next season of the Clone Wars, whatever they do as far as animated stuff after that, like I don't think there's going to be a lack of star Wars content, you know, to enjoy or talk about. It just won't be at the theaters for a few years. Mm-hmm. And there's always blue harvest. I'm happy to have that as my star Wars content. Well, <laughs> I, I won't lie. Like I was sitting around today going like, what are the first two or three weeks after the rise of Skywalker going to be like? Cause I, you know, I figure, you know, like the first week after we're going to be like, well, it's doing such and such at the box office. Did you hear this? Did you hear this uh, little Easter egg someone found? But there could be some dark days <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, come around uh, uh, into January, February before well, Clone Wars. Cl- kicks well, in. Yeah. I was going to say the Clone Wars hits what, I think late Feb. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everybody can complain about how Filoni sucks and they don't like animation. Um, I won't be on that. I, I loved it. I'm a sucker for Filoni and I certainly have enjoyed the Clone Wars, but not everything in Star Wars is going to be a 10. No. But for me, if it's five and above, then I'm entertained. Mm-hmm. 
I agree with that. So, um, Chris, buddy, we're talking about mm. the Mandalorian tonight. And what we like to do with our guests when we have them on, we're not going to discuss the, uh, episode five yet, but everything up okay. to episode five, what did you think of the series so far? First four episodes. And, Will, we also need to get your thoughts on episode four since you missed last week. Right. Um, well, Will, did you want to talk about episode four first? And then I'll... Yeah. No, a, you you kick it off and I'll, I'll pepper in some jewels. I feel like, see, I'm I'm coming from a listener perspective, but I'm just dying to hear Will's opinion. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I I can't believe how lucky we are to be getting this. Like it was, it is better than I was expecting. I had my expectations low. Like it's sort of like low is Farscape or some dodgy sci-fi show that. You go, it's Star Wars, but it really feels like Star Wars TV to where this was, no, this is Star Wars. I want to get to know. I want to follow its canon. I would read comic books about this. I buy, I'm buy. i happy to buy action figures based on this. This, to me, is a fully functional and breathing Star Wars entity, if that makes sense. It does. And yeah. with you mentioning picking up the Mandalorian figures, like, I kicked the Black Series habit right after episode eight, mm-hmm. where I was like, no, nah, man, I'm going to focus on hot toys, quality over quantity. And I avoided Black Series figures. I'd pick up the, you know, the straggler uh, bounty hunter that finally came out. Oh, they finally released Dengar. I'll get Dengar. But for the most part, not getting Black Series. And then it goes from that to, oh, I got two different versions of the Mando. Oh, now I got a heavy Mando and an IG-11. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I I had no interest in collecting any more Black Series. I was too lazy to sell the ones I had, and I was just going to bite the bullet and display them. Um, but then it was I was thinking to myself, I can't afford the habit of a TV show pumping out hot toys. Right. It's I like it's going to get super expensive. So on. Force Friday, I triple Force Friday. I, I managed, I was one of the lucky ones which actually grabbed the Mandalorian. And then I was lucky and I found Cara Dune. And I, IG 11 didn't come out in Australia. I had to order him in. But then I realized, shit, I'm all in on, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all in on Mandalorian figures. Um, and that I'm okay with that. Like it's, it's a, like they're actually, I don't know what it's like in the States, but they're actually cheaper out here at the moment. Black series figures have actually taken a bit of a price dip. So they were, they were getting up to around $40 Australian per figure, which is pretty expensive. Yeah. But now you can routinely get them for 30. Yeah. uh, So I don't know. I think I've paid, you know, the regular $20, a piece price point yep. for most of my Mandalorian figures, like for the regular Mando and for IG 11, I think the carbonized one was like maybe 25. Cause it's one of the exclusives, but yeah, they haven't really taken a price dump. And then, you know, black Friday rolls around and best buy who were the exclusive carriers of IG 11 and the heavy Mandalorian here in the United States have like a, you know, a 30% off toys coupon or whatever, you know, days after I order those two figures, which is always how it seems to go. 
But like yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, those pop up for sale. Yak Face is like, yo, Heavy Mandalorians for sale, and I start getting the fucking the sweats, the detox mm-hmm. trimmers, thinking that I'm gonna miss out on him. So what do I do? I'll order him, and then he shows up, and I'm super stoked. Um, we'll get to him because I've talked about this with Hawes, but his his gun is causing me concern. But um, yeah, he's he retails for sixty. He's an exclusive out here as well. Um, so, but he's a bigger figure, right? He's one of the deluxe figures. But double, but double is <laughs> a bit stiff. Um, but yeah, no, but they're they're really cool figures. Like, I it drives me crazy that they don't. They're difficult to get to hold weapons and stuff. Like it doesn't. They don't fit in the hands comfortably. I don't know if you've opened yours, horse. No, no. Uh, and and it's, uh, it, it's honestly a matter of not because I don't want to. It's uh, I need a, to get another Detloff case and yep. and start my Mandalorian display. And I figure until I can display them, it's probably best just to keep them in the the box for safety purposes for right now. But they will be opened. This the Black Series that I'm keeping, I will be opening. I'm envious of you, Will. You don't have this bug at all, do you? No. I don't. I really oh, don't. You're so lucky. I like, don't have the even... space. Maybe if I had the space, it would be one thing, but I literally have no space to hoard anything. Mm. I did, <laughs> in all hoarding. honesty, I bought uh, this one figure that was, it was a Cassian Andor in a Tobias Beckett jacket. And I bought it just because I thought it would, might be rare. Might oh, be worse. it was a mispack. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was a Tobias Beckett box with the wrong figure in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if it was a legitimate mispack <laughs> or if it's the old um, the thieves love doing a good old figure swap. I, I I thought about that myself, and I looked at the tape. You know how there's yeah. the three dis, the distinct three little thin ribbons of tape, and they hadn't been disturbed. And if they were, they were replaced excellently. So. I might I might have been taken for the hoax, but I bought it anyway, figuring maybe it's worth something. If it's not, it's fine. It's funny anyway. Huge pop that that's your collectible, Will. <laughs> yeah, that's my one collectible. <laughs> oh, he texted me about it, right? And he was like, "What do you think? Like, what do you think this is? You think this is a, a rare or, or a mistake?" And I was I told him what you did. I was like, "Oh no! Like sometimes people will go buy like a bunch of Cassians on clearance, and then go buy other figures and switch the figures out and do the old return trick." And I don't know. Uh, I never thought to check the tape because anytime I see something like that, I'm like, oh, these bastards. There was a Cara Dune here. Wonky t- Cassian's wonky too in like, it, they, they never get Poe right. And they certainly didn't get like if, if, if you're a very handsome gentleman, the chances are you can end up with a wonky face with us in the Star Wars figures. Uh, yeah. That, I, and if you have a beard. Yeah, they would those, nail those me. don't scan they, well. They would get me perfect. Like, it, I I look like Doctor Everzan. Like, they, they they would get it. They would get it amazing. People go, they really nailed the fresh figure because I'm a mess. Like, you just have to like when they're molding it, they just have to sort of hack at it and put lumps everywhere, and they'd get it. But if you're good looking, they really have trouble sculpting. For me, they'd just be like, uh, "Do we have any of those extra <laughs> Mick Foley heads right laying around? This is a real See, easy now- job." Now, if we play into my conspiracy theory that Mattel might get the Star Wars license, they can just use the wrestling um, figures that they've got with McFoley and just re- reissue a horse. Yeah, perfect. Um, so you're digging 
the Mandalorian. Um, you said you had something you wanted to talk about, old pa Paz Vizsla. Um, so, I, I I don't know. Like people, like you, Hawes and King Tom, have better eyes and ears than I do. Like, and we'll talk about episode five and how my brain didn't even go to certain areas. But um, I noticed that the gun Cara Dune has is very similar to the gun that Paz has. And that has me concerned that is she holding his gun. Oh, I didn't even put those two together. Uh, I... Okay. Like, I could be wrong, but they just oh. seem very similar. Because I don't have the Paz Vizsla figure. I've only sort of seen pictures of it. But they seem like they're very similar guns. And she doesn't use one of those big heavy guns in episode four, does she? No, she does not. And I, I think it's fair to assume she's back, you know, sometime later in the season. Oh, my goodness. That is a connection I didn't make. But, mm. oh, man. You know, when you first brought it up to me, I was like, I honestly thought maybe it was one of those instances where they reuse something. Because I've noticed a few things in The Mandalorian where they've reused, say, a Rodian mask from Solo or, mm. you know, little bits and pieces from other Star Wars productions. Um, and I thought maybe that's what it was, where they were like, well, we want her to have a big gun. Like, why don't we take that gun and, you know, glue a, a couple extra yeah. bits and pieces on it, and boom, we got a new gun. But I didn't even just consider that. Yeah, just the fact that she didn't have the gun in the episode she appeared in, I was like, well, does she get access to the Mandalorian's weapons? Because they're gone. Uh, I don't know if that's it. I know, but... I don't, we're not getting to episode five yet. But, you know, because um, we might have got a hint at what their fate is. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Because. Uh, Are his weapons still gone or did he not get them back from the Jawas? Well, he oh, means... no, I, I don't think they. I mean, like the Mandalorians as the clan, the Mandalorians. Oh. Yeah, because. Um... I think he did get at least some of them back. I don't know that it's 100% confirmed, but to do a little cock duty speculating, as we like to do around here, uh, I, I think it's a safe bet to assume not everything works out for those Mandalorians after what they pull in Episode 3. Like, there's going to be some consequences for them helping well, they out. Have to, they have to move the Conclave. Right, but can I, but can I ask you to like not to like we're going to be all over the place and the <laughs> listeners the listeners have watched Mandalorian and they'll follow our mess right, but doesn't um what was it fan rate what was the name of Ming Now Was character Fennec in Shan five Fennec Shan that's right that's right didn't she say I hear things didn't go well for the Mandalorians but you came out of it okay is that what she says. I thought that's what she said. Like, I've only watched it twice. Okay, so uh, she says, I, I thought she said, I heard things didn't go well on Navarro. Does she say specifically for the Mandalorian? She said Navarro. Oh, she did. She said Navarro. Okay. But you came out but, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. My head sort of leapt to <coughs> man. Like, she may have is, said, didn't go well she, for you. Didn't well well for the Mandalorians on Navarro. Because she refers to him as a Mandalorian, not the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to pay extra close until attention. Until she that. makes that, until she makes that conversation with the other bounty hunter. Yeah. But what um, I'll but, say about episode four is that 
it really it was seemed uh, it was awesome and it reminded me of an episode of a uh, a Kira Kurosawa film The Seven Samurai because I mean the same basic setup the village they hire samurai to protect them from raiders like it's almost exactly the same uh and then basically what they do is the same they train the villagers to fight off the bandits and uh the the whole encounter with the ATST Dude, that that is amazing. Like that's amazing and awesome. And then hiring the mercenary chick, she's epic. The and then it it really humanized uh, the Mandalorian. You know, it, like he it showed he had a heart and he really cared about the kid and you know his environment and his well being and stuff. But uh, he cannot leave him anywhere as long as there's going to be people out for him. He's got to stay with the Mando. Well, uh, will me and you. We understand with our situations at home of what you need to do and what you can't get away with. Somebody needs to sit down this motherfucker and go, listen, you cannot leave children unattended. Like you can't leave a toddler in the car. You, you continually keep leaving your child in the car, you hillbilly. Like, like leaving a window down does not make the kid safe by leaving it in your vehicle. Dude, and then freak out when he's not there. You can't do that. Like, I honestly feel for that reason alone, there is going to, at some point in this series, he's going to have to find like a place that baby Yoda is safe for the most part. And I don't... Well, you know, I... He, he, I know it seems stupid, but I I would have gotten the egg out of the trash. You remember, like right when yeah. he goes back to take him. Why didn't he take that little egg thing back out of the egg cradle? I get why he doesn't. It makes a much better show. You know, it's much more interesting to have to fish Baby Yoda out of shit than it is to have him protected in the little baby egg all the time. But that's what I would have done. I would have yeah, dug shame, that thing right back out of there. It's a shame Beskar is so expensive because he could he could use some Beskar and fashion one of those baby carriers out of Beskar, <laughs> and that way when the shield goes down, that thing's safe. Yeah, yeah right. That ba- that baby wouldn't get uh, a hair misplaced on his head. Um, yeah, he's a serial offender with this. Yeah, and that's I kind of feel like eventually. Because... I'm ho- he's he offered for the little guy to be on the crew, right? I'm hoping he builds a crew. And one of them is matronly, like the 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 repair chick with her droids and shit, or maybe it's her. You know, like yeah. um, whatever, just somebody that's looking out for the kid. Yeah, I I just feel like eventually they're gonna have to do something to where not every episode he has to come up with something, some some way to some watch. Some stranger over. has to watch over the kid for him. And you know, maybe it's wherever the Mandalorians or what left is left of them settle, maybe the baby Yoda stays with them for the most part, or right. maybe, you know, by the end of this season, he gets reunited with his family or whatever it is, you know, but <clears throat> I just have a feeling that they're going to have to do something with him. Cause it is like every episode since episode three in four and in this episode, they kind of have to establish like, well, Baby Yoda can't really go with the Mandalorian to fight an ATSD. Baby Yoda can't go fight Fennec Shan, so we got to find something to do with him. If you put him in, car- I mean, this is super dark. If you put him in carbon stasis, does the fob still work? Oh my God. We will like. I thought maybe I had an idea how the fob worked, but after episode five, whatever I was thinking's out the window. Yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. 
You want him to <laughs> carbon freeze, baby Yoda, in the I tiniest little block of carbonite. Would it, would desperate it, times, Hawes, desperate <laughs> times. <laughs> would it cause the fobs to still track or not track is the question. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, because I honestly don't I, really I think... Could, Yoda, I would just have to take on every motherfucker that came at me, but you know, I'm just asking the question. Right. So I've I've considered freezing my children in carbonite. I mean, you know, at least give you just imagine possibilities for travel. Can you imagine (laughs) how that trip might be? I'd be like, Will, you're playing uh, Star Wars Battlefront at two in the afternoon. Is everything okay, buddy? Don't ask. And in the background, I just hear Ugnots. Will, my wife has actually frozen me in sexual carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> and has no intention of, that of sounds like a, a bounty hunter and freeing me. Like, I am trapped in there. <laughs> I think I'm trapped in there forever. So, oh Chris, buddy, bef- before we get into the, the focused, laser-focused episode five, we're talking about scientific things here with yes. this, this fob and the carbonite freezing. And I, you know, I know you are a man of uh, a scientific mind. I've heard you have quite the time debate with uh, Buddy Mitch on Geek Dudes. So I have a science yeah, question we, for you. We went really well with that. I've got to, <laughs> like, if you knew Did where you I grew up. deep into time? Like, Will, I'm, I'm a big idiot. So me trying to work out how old Baby Yoda was was the biggest mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a disaster. Time <laughs> is a loop. <laughs> uh, time yes. is a construct. Um, Have you ever seen the movie Primer? No. It's crazy. It's I've heard it's time. good. It's well, good. time is a man-made concept. So well, a quick scientific question for you, buddy. Yes. Do you think two individuals... If they were able to correctly position themselves, could put their buttholes together and pass a fart back and forth. See, I'm of the belief that the bumhole doesn't. Now, I've not partaken in receiving anal myself, but I don't believe that the bumhole sucks in, does it? I don't... Although, when I. Although I believe the legendary Will the Father from the Howard Stern show would talk about sucking in air before he'd do a really long fart. Yeah, but that's like a uh, rare talent. That's like a 0.1% of the population yeah, yeah. that's like, able to do that. Like, I, I'm known for farting into the microphone on my podcast, but I don't intake air before I do it. It's just a release of gas. I'm not sh- I think what would happen is if you put the two bum holes together, it would sort of just float up it wouldn't actually shoot into the other bum hole Hmm. so you're saying that there's would possibly have to be the assistance of some sort of device absolutely you would need a funnel type device Hmm. that perhaps even has a bit of vacuum suction to sort of suck it in interesting i like this take on it okay you know i asked like if you pause if you hovered over If you if you hovered over a fan with your butthole open, mm-hmm. you're not going to suck up a ton of air and then float off into space. <laughs> like it's the you're just going to get a nice breeze on your bumhole. It's not actually going to take that air in. I don't know that you can actually open your butthole. The sphincter itself is meant to stay closed, and when you push, you know you can pass matter through. 
but that's because your different sphincters are working in different order. But I, you'd have to have something to hold the butthole open. And I hate that we're actually talking about this right now. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I yeah, don't it know is. why Hawes wants to put one fart from another human being in another fart in another look, human being. Look, look, but I know will. They're scientifically, the there's something known made, as the, the a healthy fecal it. transplant. People oh, that I know have that. bad gut biomes, they take poop from a healthy person and put it in somebody that has got bad guts, you know, that doesn't have good gut biome, fecal transplant. So, look, I'm not saying I want to accomplish this task. You know, when a NASA scientist says, I wonder if people can go to Mars, he doesn't necessarily want to go to Mars, but he, he just wonders if it can happen. fart in an alien's butthole <laughs> on <Mars. laughs> A fart would violently have to come out for it to penetrate through another bumhole. Well, your, your theory, it just can't work, sir. Okay. I mean, look, once again, sometimes... And the smell? You have a scientific fecal, theory? Fecal molecules. Like what you're uh, smelling, look, you, you're actually, actually poop molecules in the very nothing, sense. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And I'm willing to offer up producer of Geek Dudes, Paul Jones, who's going to Celebration next year... If anybody wants to go butthole to butthole with Jonesy for the Burkhardt exp- um, experiment, I I nominate him. The fart he, toss? Yeah, so pause. <laughs> all you've got to do is find somebody else, buddy, and it's on. Oh, look, I've got eight months. Pray for it. I'm going to make it happen. Fart mm. toss 2020. Poor Jonesy's going to be in the emergency room like it didn't go well. It didn't go well. <laughs> All right, so episode five of The Mandalorian. What did you guys think? Uh, Chris, why don't we start with you, buddy, since you're the guest. So here's an interesting one. Um, When I first saw it, it was my least favorite of the episodes. Um, And... Um, and I'm gonna tell you what it what because I watched it a second time and actually liked it a lot better and picked up quite a bit more. Um, but what I struggled with is something I actually struggled with a little bit in episode four is some of the human actors I'm finding jarringly bad. I didn't <laughs> I didn't dig the waitress in episode four. Oh really that the yeah, there was something uh, like I don't know if for average acting I need you to be wearing makeup and prosthetics and to be an alien because I had no issue with Horatio Sands in episode one, mm-hmm. but the Ripley-looking lady in episode five and the young wannabe bounty hunter dude annoyed the shit out of me. See, I liked Amy Sedaris as the the mechanic lady. I liked her mm. because it yeah. it kind of struck that Star Wars weirdness note for me. And I like Amy Sedaris. Like, if people don't know, where she's is she from? from? Uh, Kids in the Hall and also BoJack Horseman. Those are my two points of references for what she's done. She's done a lot more, but those are my two personal. Was she on SNL? Kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall. Sorry. Right. Um, now the young bounty hunter kid, uh, Jesse can attest to this. The minute he showed up, I was like, I hope this dude dies. I couldn't agree with you more. I did not like that character. Didn't like the actor. Happy to see him go. 
Yeah, like the the actor in particular, him and his earring, um, like to me, it felt like what I thought the Mandalorian was going to be. I got this you. episode. Okay, so it, and the show isn't that, and I certainly got a lot from it. You know, how could you, like no Star Wars fan is going to watch, going to hear the words, you know, we're going to Mos Eisley, <laughs> and not go, oh my god, and have Tuscan Raiders and stuff like that. But just those two human performances, just for some reason, just doesn't it didn't click with me, and it took me out of it a little bit, and yeah, I I just couldn't wait like I, the dude the young bounty hunter dude his voice actually reminded me of hayden christensen's voice i was oh. hearing it like just young hayden's whininess <laughs> from attack of the clones like his voice just had a tinge of that but i i just found the dude completely unlikable and it was fine like he got taken care of so it's it's a it's a non-issue but yeah i i thought this episode um was more like what I imagined the Mandalorian was going to be where it's bounty of the week. We're going to meet up with somebody, go on an adventure and it's all wrapped up in a bow by the end of it. Um, But that being said, we got a ton of cool stuff in it too. Yeah. I look, uh, I've talked about it a ton on this podcast where I was like, do we really need, another desert planet that's not Tatooine and Mm. it just affirms my feelings on that when we finally got Tatooine now in the context of the Mandalorian I it makes sense that that first one the one where he meets Nick Nolte wouldn't be Tatooine if they plan to go there later in the series but you know all these other desert planets like I don't know man like it seems like and throw us some variety instead of just doing another desert planet that's not Tatooine. Uh, well, I, I mean, was... from what we know of astronomy, a lot of space is desert planets. I know. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna actually. Not populated with atmospheres. To be honest, though. Um, I was thrilled when when he's uh, okay. Well, before we get to that, Will, what did you think of the the dog fight at the beginning? Because I've been waiting for this moment. Like you know, eventually we're going to see the Razor Crest in action in space, right? Like it would kind of be a lost opportunity to not do some sort of space battle. Um, his defenses seem kind of weak. Kind of seemed like he got his ass kicked. I mean, he he pulled it out in the end, but. He took a a walloping. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of defenses. Yeah. And well, that's more of a setup for the story, you know, like, cause I mean, yeah, he's kind of, and it is the beginning, but, uh, I thought the ship that was chasing him was a a cool design ship. It wasn't just something that we've seen before. And, you know, uh, what are we talking, you know, battle of indoor, uh, battle of, uh, Scarif style, you know, level space battle. No, but for, a Live action Star Wars TV show, I thought it was pretty well done and it looked pretty good. It was, um, it was good. It was cool that they dropped us right in it too, because it was at at first I th- I thought to myself, is he gonna wake up from this or something? Like it was just weird that you were dropped right into this space battle out of he, nowhere. He took several shots to that armor and it's still holding up, which is how to me uh, um uh, a nod to how impressive the Beskar armor really is. And uh, one of the things that came to mind 
was that her last name is Shand with a D on the end, but like wasn't Bastila's last name Shan without a D? It was from Knights of the Old Republic. Bastila Shan, Knights of the Old Republic. <clears throat> um, so when when his ship got damaged and then he you know was going towards that planet and you know. I see that planet, and I'm like, oh, it's a desert planet, and I'm starting to get my hopes up in these split seconds. And then they say, you know, this is Moss Eisley Spaceport. We're, you know, directing you to such and such hangar. I couldn't have been more happy. I was like, <coughs> I can't believe they're doing it. They're actually going back to Tatooine. And then, like, the shot of him approaching Tatooine was, like, such a mirror of luke and obi-wan looking down on moss Eisley before they go in when he's like you know a uh, sky a uh, hive of scum and villainy like i thought that was an interesting choice he goes in <clears> the <throat> same cantina yeah and was it yeah that they've was really changed their po- they've really changed their policy on droids well that's the that's what i was gonna say oh woo her must not be around anymore because the droid detector not in the entrance anymore and, and all the bartenders are droids. And R5-D4 or an R5 droid of some sort hanging out in the bar. Like, yeah, that that's the same cantina. I believe it's definitely the same one. Um, I thought... Just to, go, just ahead, to go back, sorry. What what did you think of the, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold? Hey, that's my line. What did you think of that? Felt a little <sighs> diehardy, if you get what I'm saying. Mm. It, it felt like more of a an 80s action movie robocop dead or alive you're coming with me yeah it would it would be like someone else saying that to robocop and he's like hey that's my line (laughs) it didn't bother me um Mm. i liked it all right but it did feel and maybe that was the intent but it did feel like something you would see in an old 80s action movie he needed a one-liner there and i mean it is appropriate um i I loved seeing the pit droids again. Never thought I'd say that, but seeing yep. the pit droids again, like I was like, fuck yeah, they're perfect. Show me some pit droids. Um, the cantina was cool. I loved that there were some new aliens peppered in there, although the cantina definitely less busy than we saw it in A New Hope. Yeah, way less busy. Tatooine in general, way less busy. Okay, yeah. everything about that new character screams rookie. Like the earring the the salty attitude the you know the peppiness it all screams rookie and then the fact that he turns in the end rookie and kills the bounty i mean if you really wanted to take the mando in you take both of them in and get the bounty from both of them be that badass that's how badass the mandalorian would be ah that shithead's the worst he is and i'm i like (laughs) i was rooting for this dude to die like my first watch through I was distracted to the point where I was like, this guy's got to die, right? They got to kill this dude. Did love them using swoop bikes, though. I thought that was a neat yeah, touch. Yeah. And the shot from overhead as they, like, speed over the sand dunes, I thought was really well done and looked cool. <clears throat> so I want to ask you guys something. There was I assumed it to be a, a gag, and I thought it was pretty funny, but I don't know if it was meant to be a gag or if it was not executed well i don't know but so they're they're going to search for her right and they see the bantha or whatever off in the distance and they're looking through the binoculars and they're talking about tuscan raiders and then the shithead dude is like oh take me up to those tuscan raiders i'll take care of them let me talk to them 
or or whatever it is and the mando's like well why don't you tell him yourself and he turns around and there's just two fucking tuscan raiders standing there like yeah. i don't know if that's supposed to be a gag but it cracked me but up. isn't that a callback to what happens with luke like one minute he's yes. looking at them and the next minute they're right on him yeah. but yeah no it is funny like i openly laughed at that and the fact they weren't even pouncing on them they were just sort of standing there hanging out yeah and like like kind of looking at them like what are these dudes doing um, I like the the um, the sign language, like how yeah. he communicates yeah, with them. Cool. And to me, he ver- he's very familiar with Tatooine. Right. That's what I was, was going to say. say. It's, it's another episode, maybe not as strong on character development or any of that stuff, but another episode that demonstrates steadily how badass and how well versed the Mandalorian is compared to other people. Yeah. And <clears throat> the fact that he knew how to talk to. Um, Tuscan Raiders like knew what a do back something to negotiate with right knew uh, how what a do back was and I I watched all of them again like right before we got on here I just started from the first episode while I was finishing up work he also knows what Jawas are immediately so like when he mm-hmm. goes so clearly he's familiar with Tatooine and I thought that was a pretty neat little detail and it also would make a lot of sense you got to think like if you're working for the bounty hunter guild and you know apparently they were active there at some point it would kind of make sense that he's he's been to Tatooine and had some adventures there or is it at least see I also I also find with the Mandalorian there's a little bit of fake it till you make it with him oh yeah yeah for sure yeah, he's well traveled. Yes, he know. Yes, he gets by. Like he's getting around in that armor and helmet, so everybody goes, "Oh, it's a Mandalorian," and that brings reputation. And he treads on that because dude gets his ass kicked all the time, which I like. I do too. I'm, I'm like, I, it's he's a kind of, of a like fucker. survive at all costs, move mm. forward, and survive at all costs. I like the fact that it's not just him effortlessly overcoming every obstacle. Like that to me would be more boring than having him actually struggle against these things. Like, you know, if he, if he went up against the Jawas with no problem or the Mudhorn or against, um, you know, whatever, Finnick Shand. Um, bless you. Chris says bless you. You want to know something funny? About <laughs> 20 minutes ago, she texts me and she goes, was the camera on your laptop on? And I go, no, why? And she goes, oh, because I totally was changing my pants behind you. She thought like you guys, and I was like, I think one of those dudes would have reacted if that was the case. But no, the camera's Absolutely not. Absolutely, one of these dudes would have said something. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> what did you guys think about the section where um, she act- they actually face off against Fennec Shand? Will, why don't you start with that? I thought it was awesome that she was like an assassin sniper and that he knew the only way to take her down was like consecutive alternating flashes, but you're still going to get shot at the whole time. I mean, he took several shots. He took two. Yeah. Yeah. And like he got the, he, it's like he got a really nice shiny new car and is driving that shit super recklessly with that armor. Like he's he taking... got an SUV and he took it mudding on the very first day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the the strategy with the flash grenades was cool. I loved that the shithead dude messed up one of his. So that's why the Mandalorian ended up got shot. Yeah. G- getting shot was because that dude is a jackass. 
Um, yeah, he's a real skin bag. Um, I thought the flashes were really cool. Like I, I, I guess the where the Mandalorian has continued to shock us is just when you think somebody's in for the long haul. They pull the rug from underneath us. Yeah, and, I don't um, know that she's not gone. I mean, I think. But the we've fact said that, that about everybody. Like, I know, you know that's. But the like, fact that there's that last scene over her body with the guy with the spurs, you know. I want to say the same thing that I think she'll be back. And what one of the things I'm basing this off of was, you know, like a, a month or a couple of weeks before the first episode, Anthony Bresnikan put out that report about Ming Na Wen and her character. Uh, Fennec Shand in her interview with that she said something to the effect I'm paraphrasing here of like her uh, the story of Fennec Shand will be revealed over time which to Uh. me kind of indicated like oh she's going to be in more than one episode but I'll be damned if they they, if she's not dead they really made this one convincing because like with IG-11 he's a droid like you've got to figure if they really want to bring him back that's the easiest thing to do. He's a droid. He gets repaired. But she took a shot to the gut and then laid on the ground overnight. Like <laughs> at some at some point, and I'm looking at this from somebody that's learned lessons in storytelling and professional wrestling, is you can't do too many false finishes. Right. Or you get people just not believing what they're seeing in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're already at the point of every single character. We're like, yeah, they're going to be back. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think Gina Carano is the easiest pull and Carl Weathers. I think both of those because they're alive and I think they will be back. But IG 11, I won't lie. A lot of that I'm basing off of just my, uh, desire to see more of that character because I liked it so much. There was footage and him and Cara Dune. Wasn't there? Am I crazy? No, there was. And okay. I, I don't know if that is one of the these situations where because I keep up with all this stuff, you know, it's it's coloring my uh, opinions, or mm. if they're pulling a Rogue One. Yeah, and it's, it's I hope footage. not. I hope not too. Yeah, <clears throat> like I I thought the battle was really good. Um, like yeah, I I it was. I want more, so it it gets it gets frustrating when you know how short the episodes are. That the it, it moves very quickly from one minute they're throwing up flash grenades, the next minute she's like the line of "You'll be no um what what is it? You'll become legend or your name will be legendary." We all thought she was saying that to the Mandalorian. No, I I actually liked that where I was yeah. like, oh okay. It was said to was said to this young this um, young skinrod, but it all moved very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, he's going to be back there and he's going to grab the lady and he's going to have the child, and the Mandalorian's going to have to do something. Like it, it all does move very quickly. So I think it's just going to take a matter of adjustment to that's how these stories are executed. Yeah, and you know, on each time I watch one of these episodes the first time it doesn't feel as short as it is. And I think it's just cause I'm so engrossed. And I'm like, Oh, what's going to happen next. But on subsequent watches, the fact that I watched all five episodes before we recorded tonight really show like that's the length of a regular star Wars movie, maybe a little mm. longer, but 
you know, somewhere in that <clears throat> that sort of realm of runtime. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's you got to wonder if they were longer, would parts drag? Or would you have the benefit of some more character development? Or at very least, some more time with Fennec Shand instead of her showing up. And, you know, a really cool, like, hand-to-hand fight scene, I thought. And then, like, the resolution of that. She gets killed, etc., etc. Like, One uh, thing biologically I will tell you is that it takes a long time to die from a gut shot. Right. Right. That is true. Um... And, you know, I don't know. So we're going to talk about the last. I'm saving it because I have clips and shit for the last scene. Mm. Um, I am going to try hard to convince two dudes of my theory tonight. We'll see how it goes. Um, she hooked a she hooked a sweet armbar like it, he was not getting out of that. And he was going to be tapping. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, if he, he wasn't saved. But, yeah, I I um. I just wanted, I guess, if we get more of her, then, you know, we're going to get everything fulfilled. But I just would have loved to have seen her as this bad, like, see her being a badass assassin a little yeah, bit more. Right. Right. Yeah, and, I, like, I, they set her up to be so cool. Like, she's doing the sniper thing. She has a helmet that kind of reminds me of Zam Wessel. I don't know. I thought the same thing. Nice. Absolutely Zam Wessel, yep. And... Then she's got like the throwing star or the knife or whatever she uses to disarm the dude. Like, so she had cool gear. Like, she was a badass. It is a shame. I'm, you know, I can't say it for every character I like that dies in this show that, like, oh, I think they're going to be back, but I don't know. Maybe she'll so. Let's be back. talk, let's, let's talk tracking fobs. Okay. So I thought there's a slight possibility that if you've been in the system, whatever the system is, that they might have some sort of DNA read of you and these tracking fobs are connected to that, which is why it appeared it starts beeping when you get closer to the target. Right. Is Right? Right. But the fact that Skinbag smashed it and then said, I've got it all stored up here, that sort of throws that out. Right. And Because then- you would need that device to be in proximity i would assume right and and that moment i like i get that it's him trying to be like no i'm badass and i get the sort of like character development for a shitty character that they were doing there but it it makes the water so murky on how these tracking fobs work he does mention that he's out past the dune sea before he smashes it so the mandalorian does know he's got to go out past the dune sea Right, but you got to figure, like, there's so, like, where out past the Dune Sea? It's open fields of sand. Like, there's not a lot of land. The man's a bounty hunter. It's his job. He's a professional. Well, I know, but it's not the bound. It's not the Mandalorian that has all the information in his head. It's the shithead dude. Right. So, the other question, Horse, if you've watched all five right now, mm-hmm. is. And I know it's going to drive everybody crazy, and it just might be one of those things that they're never going to address. But the Mandalorian got given Beskar to take the job to go after the child. Right. And then we find out that many people were on the job because they wanted to make sure it got done. Right. Were they all given some form of payment up front, do we think? Oh. 
I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt any of them came with the reputation that the Mandalorian did. Uh, so that's what you think it is, Will. To get the person with that sort of reputation on the job, you had to offer him something big up They've front. They've been up front. Yeah, that's what I think. But Yeah, and I'm... you know, also how they they hired the Mandalorian was kind of under the table, and it didn't seem like it followed the normal procedure for hiring and a bounty it, hunter. But, but everybody else is following the normal procedure because they're all following the code. Right, and then the weird uh, wrinkle in this is IG-11 clearly has orders to kill Different orders so was he working from some for someone else or did they just give him orders to kill the baby and that doesn't make sense because in the first episode Werner Herzog is like you can bring it in dead for a reduced reward or whatever mm. so it clearly it, it's like he's saying that but they would prefer him to come in alive so why would he give IG-11 strict orders to bring it in dead if they prefer it alive. I don't know. And that's what I'm saying is that it's got to be a different faction trying to prevent whatever Herzog was trying to do. That could very well be it. And maybe if IG-11 comes back, that's how he and the Mandalorian end up teaming up is now that it's clear that the Mandalorian's not trying to take the baby to them, that he's trying to protect them. Maybe whatever faction that is is like, well, work with them. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't, I, sorry, that just popped in my head of it's sort of one of those things where I've gone, what's going on there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So then, you know, everything wraps up. The Mandalorian leaves Tatooine and we get what I would essentially say is the Star Wars version of an after credit scene. It's not after the credits, but it's like this little teaser, this little thing that sort of is post the story that hints at something to come we see some boots and a cape walking in the sand up to Fennec Shand checks her out and then the credits cut the boots are con and there's two very distinct noises it's uh, accompanied with there's the spurs walking sound and there's like a weird radio static like scanning sound all right so I'm gonna invite you guys into Halls's conspiracy corner here real quick because uh, I, I even have a little theme song for it um, and I'll play that right now any second All right, so my theory, you guys, is that is none other than Boba Fett. So I'm going to say to you, Hawes, I don't know about you, Will, but I saw conversations about this afterwards, but when I watched it, my head didn't go there for a second. I'll tell you, can ask Jesse, the minute those spur sounds started, I was like, that's Boba Fett. Immediately, I... And I was so hyped last night after that that I couldn't sleep. I have to stop watching The Mandalorian at 2.30 in the morning and then trying to go to bed because every week I have trouble sleeping when I do that. Now. Dude, now that you've said that, I have to agree with you. Okay, now because listen. Because the spurs were Boba Fett's. Like, that was the sound of him walking, right? right? Like Right, and I tried to find it. 
I couldn't find it, but there's a specific, I don't know if it's in an audio commentary or like a behind the scenes making of thing where Ben Burt talks about how they chose the Spurs sound for Boba Fett because they wanted to give you that sort of like Western gunslinger feel. So real quick, I'm going to pull it up. Guys, I have clips and shit, so. Uh, Oh my God. I think you're going to have, I'm looking forward to this because I think I need to be sold only because I'm believing them. Okay. So this is the scene from The Mandalorian. Hold on. Let me restart it so we can hear. I need to see that cape as well, because he's got that weird half cape. Now, see, that's the thing. If this is Boba Fett, he's had a bit of an outfit change, because the boots aren't the same. The cape is definitely not the same, which I realize both of those things are not in my favor. But, you know, five years after we've seen the dude who says maybe he didn't get a, a couple of new accessories. But here we go. Okay, that's the end of the scene. Could you guys hear that okay? Yeah. Okay. Now, this is Boba Fett from Empire Strikes Back. Listen closely. Did you hear him walking? It's the exact same sound. I'm telling you guys, I don't think I'm crazy. All right. I can't hear it very well, but okay. Yeah, I, I couldn't hear Boba, but I could hear the the Mandalorian. All right. Oh, uh, yep. Now here's another clip. This is from the special editions when Boba Fett shows up in A New Hope. Now you're not going to be listening for the Spurs. What you're going to be listening for is that radio transmission style uh, sound. Oh, okay. Did you hear that? I did hear it. Yeah. They're, okay, so guys, we have Tatooine, the last known location of Boba Fett. We have the Spurs sound. We have that weird radio transmission sound. And I can't take credit for that. I want to give a shout out to listener to the podcast, Jesse and Tim the Robot, because apparently they discovered that together. Like Tim found it and sent it to Jesse. He sent it to me. Guys, all right, we we have Tatooine, last known location of Boba Fett. We have the spur mm-hmm. sound. We have the radio sound. If, okay, if Boba Fett is still around, let's go on a hypothetical here. Let's say that he survived the Sarlacc. And, and I want him to be. Me too, obviously. If he survived the Sarlacc and is still doing his profession of choice, if he's still a bounty hunter... Would he not be interested in both the bounty on Fennec Shand, like the most notorious uh, assassin in the galaxy, uh, supposedly, and the bounty for the Mando and Baby Yoda? So if if he's still around, like I know, I know it's a hard sell. I know everybody wants to shit on Boba. They want to take off that cool looking helmet and take a dump right in it. But if like, let, and don't come to me with any Cobb Vanth business get corn Cobb Vanth out of here. The dude. Yeah, from- no, I, I don't recognize that aftermath. Maybe that's what happened. And he found some armor and stuff. Get out of here with that. I'm just saying, okay, if it's not Boba Fett, then I honestly, and I'm, I'm not trying to be like petulant about this. They want P 
people to think it is. I don't think you use those sounds and have it set on Tatooine if you don't at least want to make people think that for the eventual misdirect. Hawes, can I give you something that might fill you with dread? Yes. What if they don't address that till series two? Stretch it out, dude. Yeah, so you're okay with that? Because it's possible that that, this little stinger that we had right at the end, because we see the Mandalorian take off and we assume he's leaving the planet. Right. That might not get picked up again unless he has to return to Tatooine in a later season. Oh, it, it could that could very well be the case. There's no mm. doubt. Or, you know, if Boba Fett's on the hunt with for him, he might not catch up with him for a little while, even. Because if they did a thing where, just say, it doesn't get addressed again, and then in season two something happens and he goes, I've got to go to Tatooine and that's how an episode ends, then that brings people like you in whores that have worked out that this has a lot of similarities to Boba going... Next episode's Boba time. Uh, I, look, I, 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 I hope the listeners know. Like, I made it very clear leading into this series, I'm not expecting Boba Fett. Like, I had my heart broken with Solo because mm. the entire lead up to Solo, I was like, there's at minimum going to be some kind of Boba Fett cameo. What what spinoff property better to work Boba Fett in, even in a cameo capacity, than Solo? Like, I know most of it was in the EU, but Legendary Rivals, the bounty hunter that chased down and tracked Han Solo, like, work him in. Didn't happen. So I was like, you know what? Clearly, they're, the, you know, the Boba Fett movie didn't happen twice. Twice it didn't happen. They're moving on from the character. That's fine. They're going to give me a cool-looking Mandalorian. They're going to give me a ton of other Mandalorians that are cool. I, I can be fine with that. But to end this episode on Tatooine, with the Spurs sound and that radio transmission sound, I, I got to think there's something there. I mean, it just doesn't seem like a coincidence to me. No. Now and it's cruel. It's cruel. unless they've given someone else the spur sound. Unless yeah, they're that, will. That's incredibly cruel. If they have done such tiny fan service that the real hardcores are the ones who work out that this could be a nod to Boba Fett, it would be incredibly cruel to go, huh? Tricked you. Real diehards that love this, like really love it to the point you would look into it that far. That's kind of cruel. Thank you. Right. That would be. And I don't think you use those two. If it was just one sound, one of those two sounds, maybe if it was just the spur sound, I would still like I didn't catch the radio transmission sound so that, you know, I can't even say that, like, you know, that factored in until shortly before we started recording and somebody sent me that like <clears throat> you they know what they're doing putting those sounds in there yeah they clearly know what they're doing now if it's meant for you know purposes of misdirecting that's fine well, I'll cross that bridge when I get there but I got a glimmer of hope right now I got a glimmer of hope now yeah, right now right now it looks like that looks that way <laughs> Bo- boba was dead and he's He's kicked out. He's kicked out right before the three. Like he was down, and there's a kick out. There's hope. Yep. 
And uh, so I, I do think we need to address a couple of other theories. I've seen people talking about this because I think, you know, they, they make sense in their own right. I've seen people throwing around, maybe that's Cad Bane. Uh, I don't know. I If that Spurs sound is associated with Cad Bane, it doesn't ring a bell with me. And I didn't where have did a chance. Cad, where was Cad Bane left off in the Clone Wars? He's still alive. I looked okay. that up today to see if there had been any like definitive end for Cad Bane, and there hasn't. Apparently, there might have been an episode, you know, that didn't get finished or produced where Cad Bane was gonna die, but it never aired. It's never been part of a book or anything. So as of right now. Cad Bane is still considered alive, right? <clears throat> the other theory I've seen, and this is the one that when Pete, when somebody brought it up, I was like, oh, shit. That might be my hopes and dreams flushed down the toilet, is we have Moff Gideon, who hasn't mm. been introduced in the series yet, played by Giancarlo Esposito, Gus Fring. From yeah, Bacon that's Bound. the one thing I was afraid of. Now, let me ask you this. If it's him... Why keep the face hidden? Why keep it I mysterious? Hawes, I don't think it's him because I think he's back home. I think the Mandalorian's going back home. Right, and that's where he's going to run into Gideon, and Gideon is maybe even has the rest of the Mandalorians under, like, uh, yeah. captured or something. Yeah, that's just my theory, but I get the feeling that something's going to happen to what he considers to be family and he has to go back. I think that could be solid. You're giving me more hope here, buddy. And look, mm. if this is something that is look, a stroke of genius, if this doesn't play out the uh, pay off this season, if this is a long haul reveal for next season or something, uh, I would get like, that's fine. I'll just say listeners, for the next year, you will hear me talk about this if this doesn't get resolved. And this, so just on the Moff Gideon thing, because like I, I, I could see it's if you've followed the Mandalorian and watched trailers and stuff, your head's going to go to that because you're going, well, he's going to appear. But the questions I'd pose to that are, what is he doing out in the middle of nowhere? Right on a and planet, be, and he looked pretty fancy in the trailers. Mm-hmm. I don't just see him turning up in the middle of nowhere in a desert, checking on a dead body, not flanked by stormtroopers. Where Tatooine had stormtroopers' helmets sitting on spikes, it looked to me like the Empire wasn't welcome at Tatooine. Right, exactly. Now, the thing that kind of makes me wonder is, so they establish in the cantina that Fennec Shand is an Imperial assassin, right? Don't they say that? And uh, she I was no. I thought she was assassin for, like the huts and stuff, like crime syndicates. Yeah, maybe she. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. Will it was definitely crime syndicates. Okay, never mind then, yeah. because I was because you know she says if you get me to Moss Espa, which I loved the call out to Moss Espa, to meet she was going to meet someone at Moss Espa, whoever was going to get her off the planet. Like, I for some reason I thought she was an imperial assassin, and maybe she was going to meet Moff Gideon. And then when she doesn't show up, he goes and looks and finds her out in the desert. But once again, you guys are giving me glimmer of hope. Now, we were talking we we didn't talk about the head the stormtroopers on the spears. Because I mean, that's like 
that's from the very first trailer like we've seen it a ton of mm-hmm. times by now but seeing it in context of the episode one of my favorite takeaways to me that indicates that you know in um return of the jedi when you see the celebration on tatooine at the end if you just pan to the left or right a little bit there are people murdering stormtroopers and putting their helmets on spears oh my god like mm. the empire fell and everybody in tatooine was like let's kill these fuck kill those fuckers that's pretty yeah. brutal blood the impalers fell yeah, it definitely, like, were you surprised at how quiet it was? Yeah, it, it, that's the thing, and I, I think this is a byproduct of, even though it's a high-budget show, it's not Star Wars movie high-budget, it did feel a little desolate on Tatooine. Like, even or the cantina. Could, could that could that be because when Jabba went, a lot of business went? That would be an excellent way to explain it. Like that, that explanation is what I'm going with. That's the perfect explanation for it. I think. <clears throat> yeah, you would think that the the major crime lord on Tatooine dying would decrease a lot of at least the criminal traffic coming to well, and the, fro. The guild doesn't even bother with Tatooine. Right. Exactly. So yeah, probably, I didn't even think about that, but that's an excellent explanation for that, and that's mm. all I really need. To explain that. But yeah, I did notice it. It seemed very sort of quiet and empty, uh, you know, compared to Tatooine that we saw in A New Hope, like Moss Eisley. All right. I also think he's got to work on this whole droid issue. He needs to see a therapist <laughs> because surely it's just quicker to get like that ship is like the combi van of space. Uh, and surely it's just easy just to get droids to fix it. Like when he wants a job, he'll deal with a droid. <laughs> but when it comes to fixing his ship, like just let the pit droids work on it. Yeah, and and he had no problem talking to the bartender. That's what yeah, you mean you know, when he wants I mean. a job. Yeah. I thought you meant like, because uh, he works with IG Eleven or IG Eleven. Yeah, yeah, mm. he does need to work out the droid thing. I think you know we're still in store for uh, some more flashbacks and stuff explaining. Do you know what would be cool is if. A super battle droid turns up and he has a freak out moment. That would be cool. And bolts from the battle. Because we haven't seen him lose his cool yet. We've seen him get his ass kicked, but we haven't really seen him lose his composure. And that would be a neat character moment for him. Interesting that skin bag called him old man. Right. How would he even know? You can't see him. Yeah. Like, what makes him... I, I guess he's just assuming that if you're one of the last remaining Mandalorians that you have to be old by default. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to emails and stuff and wrap this bad boy up, <clears throat> Chris, buddy, Will and I have talked about it. We talk about it sort of every episode. Uh, the, the flashbacks with young Mando and the yep. super battle droid. I feel, and, and I know a lot of people are saying the same thing that like that's the perfect place for a surprise cameo by a character who's going to save the mandalorian there what do you think i think because of feloni it's a big chance to be a soaker and it's a soft easy test to see reaction if you were looking at a potential tv show right but the 
counter to that would be you'd want to have a pretty good idea who you want to play her. Yeah, you see, that's... I almost feel like that if... If it is Ahsoka, I don't think they would have settled on someone as this is our live action Ahsoka. Unless you just suit up Eckstein for the point of doing it as a cheeky nod because it would have to be a very quick scene. Right. Uh, yeah, but like logic says it's the female Mandalorian. Right. I think that's probably so, the most logical. Yeah. I'm hoping for you two that it's old cockhead making was save but that's probably the least likely i wish <laughs> um if kia d was the one standing there oh my god but i i'm just skeptical that i think this is going to be the one show that we don't see a lightsaber yeah i mean i, I agree I, I i just get the feeling that i, I could be wrong I'm, i i would love to be proven wrong but I think we were super lucky we got a taste of the Force. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to get a lightsaber. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, the most logical idea is uh, for it to be Mandalorians or specifically, yeah. like, the Lady Mandalorian. But, man, is it fun to cock-a-duty speculate about. Um, and I've heard people say maybe it's Yoda, but I doubt that. Like, and that's why when he saw the baby, he wanted to save it. But I think he's just got a soft spot for children because he had a traumatic childhood. Yeah, I mean... That's probably pretty accurate. I, I totally agree. But it would be cool to see Yoda. And, like, I can see, like, if you were sitting down writing this show and were trying to come up with someone, like, I could see the desire or even how you would take that path to make it Yoda. Um. I don't know. I'm just interested on, th like, permissions. Like, h how much can they get away with? Because I assume a lot of this has to be run through Lucasfilm. And would something like Yoda himself be out of bounds for something like this? I don't know. Uh, you wonder mm -hmm. that. And then they put robot legs Darth Maul at the end of Solo. Right. Well, yeah, you're right. Like, who saw that coming? Right, and and that throws such a wrench in things where you think they wouldn't do that or that's not possible. And then you also have Ewan McGregor signed on for, you know, the Obi-Wan series and being, you know, knowing uh, he was going to be returning as Obi-Wan, be it in a film or a series, for years now. Do they do a surprise, like, are they like, hey, Ewan, you want to do us a solid and come do a cameo? Like, I don't know, man. I don't want to drag this episode out for you and get into it, but you know, I think it's completely plausible that Kenobi leaves Tatooine. You I do. Like, I, I feel strongly on it. On it, Vader says, I haven't felt his presence since, and that doesn't mean Mustafar. You don't think so? Obi-Wan doesn't seem shocked that Darth Vader and Anakin are one and the same. Now, he knows. Right. Now, that has always been something I wondered, even before the Obi-Wan series. When does Obi-Wan find out, oh, I didn't kill, Anakin didn't die that day. He survived, and now he's entrapped in this giant suit of armor. Star Wars TV is not afraid to have horrible babysitters represented on screen. That's true. 
that's been proven. <laughs> it's been proven that they'll just leave the baby there. Um, yeah, I I just think like I think it's we as fans that think he was serving some sort of penance that he's stuck on Tatooine. But that was Yoda who went to Dagobah who said, I need to think about all the mistakes I've made. Obi-Wan just decided that he was going to watch over the boy. He never said, like, uh, the dude lies all the time. Yeah, and, and, you know, we can't take anything away from Owen and Baru Lars. They seem like at least decent caretakers. Owen's a little gruff, but he's looking mm. out for Luke. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've am i been firm, pretty firmly in the camp of I don't think he's going to leave, but I am not so far in that camp that if they take him off of Tatooine, I'll be like, well, this ruins all of Star Wars, you know? I, I, it's unlikely, but how cool would be... I'd need to try and talk him back. Oh. Oh. I, I, it's my fault. He's now out here doing this. I've got to try and bring him back. That would be like one way that they could get him off a of Tatooine to me that would like make sense and I would be okay with. Like he hears or because he knows the name Darth Vader. Because he sees the, yes. the hologram of uh, Palpatine referring to Anakin as Darth Vader in the Jedi Temple, right? So if he starts hearing rumors of, like, the Emperor has this, you know, dark warrior named Darth Vader, like, would he just hang out? I don't know. Maybe he would and go. Look, I know they did a lot of silly retconning and not everything makes sense and we have to suspend disbelief and hold our breath and hold our nose a little bit through some of it but only a master of evil darth he doesn't go only a master of evil anakin no i and i know i know that they they had no real idea that they were going back in time and telling all this story but i'm just saying it gives you if you were going to write a story a lot of plausible outs it's possible that in his meditative time, he knew that he wouldn't be the one to make him turn. It would take his child. That mm. Luke was their only hope. Yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. I just wanted to see what you thought. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going with... Because I do feel like so much of Star Wars, like the feel of Star Wars, is, is moving from location to get, co location. Like new planets and new you know environments like the change up of scenery that it would be kind of weird to have it all set on Tatooine now and also everybody says oh you know a Kenobi western movie we've got our western yeah we're watching it right like, now yeah we've got it so they kind of need I think need to do something a little out of the box and you also run into the I think you run into the issue of what if it's not Vader, who is the antagonist in the Obi-Wan series, right? Like, who can well, that, go that up? That become, well, Maul's the obvious one. Yeah, but they already did it. That's the, you know, I kind of wish. Yeah, I know. I wish they didn't go there. Yeah, I mean, and, and I wasn't even one of those people that didn't like how that resolved in Rebels. You know, it didn't mm. bother me, but. Now that we have this Kenobi series coming, I do kind of wish they didn't go there because I would rather have seen that in live action with Ray Park back as as um, 
Darth Maul and Obi Wan back or Ewan back as Obi Wan. Like that would have been really cool to see in live action. And I, you know, I've heard some people say like, well, maybe they could, you know, just recreate that scene in live action. I don't know that I'm interested in that. You know, like it would seem awfully weird to have a care, you know, have to cast someone as Ezra and have this one weird one-off episode that it intersects with an animated series. Like, I just don't see how that would interface well, if that makes sense. I think they made a mistake in... I think they almost have to make a declaration that live action is canon and everything else is what if, and we'll leave it up to you if you want to place it in... reality or not but then you have things like robot legs darth maul and solo so then clone wars has to be canon basically you know yeah which is fine like they can choose to use stuff yeah um but yeah i yeah i don't know like i just think we've got now western so i'm not sure what staying on tatooine like would it would sort of make kenobi feel samey yeah unless the only and and i've thought a lot about this the only thing i can see is what if we get significant flashbacks like Mm. to the clone wars and obi-wan and stuff i don't know i don't really know and like are they gonna do some sort of marvel cinematic universe thing where all the live action disney plus series have some weird tie-in with each other like because you know obi-wan is involved with the mandalorians quite a bit in the clone wars um, he banged one. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know, man. I don't really know, but <laughs> I'll be interested to see what they do and and what kind cool of hints. times. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what mm. uh, what direction they take with with all this stuff. All right, so we're gonna jump in to voicemails and emails. Um, Let's see here. We have everybody's favorite part of the show. The the song. Maybe it'll work this week. What is going on? The Kia D song is not working anymore. There it is. That's kind of weird. Thank God. The only Jedi master who can crash box Giddy Cockhead Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead He's a big Surian stud He loves to split chicks with his pud Giddy Cockhead To stroke his cone and suck on his balls Giddy Cockhead What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi council stooge but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Lou Herb! Cockhead! Hosberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! K&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! If 
If you don't like that song, turn off this podcast immediately. How dare you? It'll it's make your day the, better. <laughs> it, it, it is just the best. It is just the best. All right. Uh, so we have not just a voicemail. We have a video voicemail from our buddy Alejandro. So I'm going to play that first. And then we've got, let me check the list. Is that a Lady Gaga song? Uh, it is. Alejandro? It, it is. is. Alejandro. It is. Hi, Oz and Will. I love the Mandalorian series. But the only thing I didn't like is that Toro, he murders the person who's giving him tips. And he threatens Baby Yoda. So, I dislike that character. All episodes are great. And I have a question. Did you see Charlie in Rise of Skywalker, the trailer? He's from Lost. <laughs> Who harvest, baby? Woo! <laughs> Thanks, Alejandro. Uh, you might be a little young for this podcast, my dude. But I appreciate I, you sending it in. <laughs> a child just followed the key and D song. <laughs> He's adorable, though. Um, so, uh, Alejandro, you obviously... Um, you know, we're not a fan of that character either. Killing Fennec Shand and threatening baby Yoda. Um, not a fan, not a fan of that guy either. So we agree with you. Um, and as far as Charlie from Lost goes, no, I haven't seen him in a trailer yet because I stopped watching all the, uh, the, uh, TV spots, but I guess I've been wondering when he would finally show up. I saw him in a trailer behind Old Rose, the one... Uh... Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. That's the main trailer, like the final trailer that came out. Yeah. Yeah, we saw him briefly. I forgot about that. I I did see somebody talking about his name. Like, I guess they named that character finally. And it was... I saw an article in the Star Wars News that he was introduced in the comics this week or something. He oh. made his debut in the comics. Really? I was not. I am doing an excellent job of avoiding episode nine stuff. I guess. Um, I did not read the article again. I, I'm avoiding it as well, but I did read the headline. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. What was that guy's name? I'm looking for it. It's weird. He's the got, actor. No, I know his his name. I'm saying. Um, his name's Charlie from Lost. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> um. Shit, what was his band called? Drive Shaft. Drive Shaft. You all, everybody. <laughs> I bought that song on Rock Band. You all, everybody. <clears throat> all right, so we got Alejandro taken care of. Um, I'm hoping maybe his dad edits these or something, so they're a little more kid friendly. They'll be like 20 minutes long. All right, we got one voicemail from Jim and then two emails. All right, so we'll hear what Jim has to say. Pause and will and guests. How y'all doing today? Um, I was, uh, I just enjoyed the fifth episode of The Mandalorian and uh, it was a very good one. I'm getting a little worried that there's only three left. Man, a lot's going to happen. I'm it's going to start to get heavy. But uh, only complaint is the CGI didn't look as stellar as it usually does. Uh, but 
honestly, I mean, how can you complain about such a high-quality show? Uh, I am curious about the contact that the assassin was meeting and, I guess, discovered her body. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to freak out about sand people using sign language, but... Um, I'm more curious why they didn't attack immediately than when they snuck up on the Mando and the other bounty hunter. But, uh, um, I mean, why should they always be in full-on uh, rage? But, anyway, so last episode, I thought that you brought up whether or not the AT-AT or AT-AT that was ever said in canon... Because uh, they said the uh, the chicken walker, they they mentioned his technical name, but uh, it sounded like you were curious if they've ever said it before. But in Rogue One, and sorry if you already know this, uh, Pal um, actually said it. Pal, <laughs> he when the ATAT comes around the corner and Baze uh, Malbus is warned by Shrewd uh, to run. Uh, when Pal sees it, he yells, at, at, and the only way that I knew that was because I'm like Eric Struthers with always having the subtitles on. But there's no way he was saying, AT, AT, when it said, at, at, at the bottom of the screen. So, it's kind of hard to understand them, but they have said it before and, uh, canonized how they, uh, how they say it, at, at. But I'm sure you can say it both ways. Uh, but, uh, if it, there's hubbub, that's, uh, where, oh, and one last little thing that I noticed is re-watching A New Hope. Uh, people sometimes talk about how long Jedi, I mean, uh, Luke got training with Kenobi on the Millennium Falcon. Well, when Han came back and says that I'll, I told you I'd lose those Imperial slugs and don't, uh, everybody thank me at once. Uh, I'm sure that he just dealt with them for, you know, a couple hours or something. And then he says, we'll be at Alderaan and at 0200 so one there's military time and two it don't that was only about a day's worth of uh training uh with luke and, and obi-wan on the so it doesn't it's not been week people talk about weeks and weeks and all this stuff but he didn't get as much training as some people talk about all right anyway sorry for that uh you guys have a great day ignite the green i did not realize they say at at in rogue one that is news I didn't either. That's really cool. And that's one of the cool things about this all being out on Disney Plus is that people are able to watch this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I got to say, and this is not a slight against Jim, like this is agreeing with Jim, something that I have no interest in that does not bother me the least is the amount of training any character has. Like, right. that's goofy to me. It's a story about magical people with laser swords i'm fine if i mean i accept a chosen one prophecy that's all i need to know oh they're meant to be powerful that's all i need so whether luke spent 10 years or 10 minutes training with obi-wan i don't care whether ray spent a hundred years training with luke or reading force books i don't care it does not affect me in the least i could not be more disinterested in like a you know a discussion topic in star wars yeah i it, it, that whole pissing contest of who's been trained or how it's worked like uh, it's like trying to apply science to star wars and stuff like that it's a it's a waste of time it's a 
goddamn space movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, the, the second you see the opening shot, it's not plausible of yeah. A New Hope. So it, it's for, like, what are it? you, Vegeta? Is his power level over 9,000? Are you yeah. watching this on a power meter? Like, I've never watched Masters of the Universe and gone, it's ridiculous that a sword turns this prince into this giant muscly he-man and he points it at a talking green cat and it turns into about like you don't because you're straight away suspending disbelief but apparently for some star wars fans they have to apply real world sensibilities and it's a waste of time yeah and i don't understand the need for that you know this is not science fiction it's sci science fantasy sci fantasy not sci-fi and like I don't watch Lord of the Rings and go, well, the science behind that dragon is whack. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't understand that. Like, and Or that's not how they did it in medieval England. Well, that's not medieval England. It's Middle Earth, man. Like, Exactly. Like, I am not looking to Star Wars to uh, be a scientific, you know, like... Some of the things I love most in Star Wars, the sound of TIE fighters or laser fire and explosions in space are not scientific. I know there's no sound in space. Exactly. I and I don't care. I don't give a yeah. fuck. I don't care about bombs falling in space. I don't care about how long someone trained. If you try to figure out the timeline of any Star Wars movie, none of it makes sense. It all seems like it takes place in a single day, but it, it clearly can't. So, like, I'm not interested in that. Like as long what? as it as Dog long as Star Wars explosions. feels Star Warsy, yeah. yeah. Like dogfights and explosions sound awesome in space. Yeah. As long as it feels Star Warsy, and I'm watching it and it goes, oh, it's like Star Wars. It's all good. Like everything. Like there's so many people that just need to move on. Yeah. You know, so uh, anything can happen. I'm yeah. okay. Anything can happen. It's Star Wars, and to. You know, to hone that down and decrease that and say, oh, only this certain number of things can happen in Star Wars. I mean, you're really boxing yourself in for a really shitty story. Yeah, and the other complaint of like, oh, the, the, here's a new force power we've never heard of. Have you ever seen the, that complaint? Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys. Wait, you only want the one force powers? Like, that's well, it? That's all the, there can be? Since Empire Strikes Back. They have been introducing force powers we haven't seen before. Yeah, in every movie, if you really think about it. So, no, that in, doesn't bother in, me uh, either. I was watching episode one, and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot. They introduced, like, the force run and the force jump, basically. Like, yeah, you know, it looks George a little Lucas goofy. Was, it looks goofy. It hasn't stood up in time, but, I mean, they basically, I mean, they force jump. Like, they, they move. They scoot. Uh, I, a ghost <laughs> sits down. Yeah, on a log. A ghost takes a a ghost is like, yeah. damn, these dogs are barking. I need to take a rest. Yoda calls down a bolt of lightning. Uh, well, now you're getting into the territory of where everybody starts to complain. Well, like, well, I mean, it, and well, I don't mind that's that either. I think, though, like, you know, if you're going to complain, you can pick some earlier moments to complain. Like, you don't have to pick it apart. <clears throat> All right. So we got an email from our buddy Matthew. Hi, Halls and Will. I've really enjoyed The Mandalorian so far. 
Your recaps and discussion on Blue Harvest add a lot to the experience, too, as they get me to think of the story and world building in different ways. It's hard to believe that with all the Mando excitement, we have under three weeks to go until the rise of Skywalker. A question or item to ponder, if you haven't already. What if Baby Yoda is actually a reincarnation of old-ass Yoda? I know this idea gets a bit weird given that we saw Force Ghost Yoda in The Last Jedi. Perhaps Yoda is some kind of physical manifestation of the Force that can exist in multiples. I'm very interested in learning more about Baby Yoda as his species and his species as it seems all Mando fans have been. This is the kind of in-universe building that is perfectly suited to live action series. Anyways, keep up the good work and happy holidays, Mossman. Mossman's a Patreon. Thanks for being a patron, Mossman. And also I... just a repainted boss uh um beastman. Yes. Just a, <laughs> with a was so I don't have a vintage uh beastman in my collection. Is he flocked too? Is he furry? No. No, no he's not. Okay, so no, that's a Mossman thing. Yeah. Okay. Um dude, uh Mossman, you wrote in f- to the perfect episode because we've got like the world's premier Masters of the Universe guy here. Perfect episode to write in. Um, I don't think Baby Yoda could be a reincarnation because I think he's born when Yoda is still. He's definitely bo- born when Yoda's still alive. Same age as Anakin. We've worked it out, isn't it? Yes, in the same general vicinity, right? Somewhere yeah. in that. Yeah, I don't know where they're going with Baby Yoda. I did read an interview with Dave Filoni where he said, like, you know, don't expect a ton of answers about Yoda's species or anything like that because even though they want to use that character, they want to still keep some of the mystery there. And I think, personally, I like that approach, you know. Did it would be a Dalai Lama kind of like thing. Kind of, yeah. uh, You know, reincarnated spiritual leader uh no i don't think that i don't think that's gonna happen but you know i like where they're going the way they're doing with it now keeping it mysterious but it's interesting to think about all of a sudden are they trying to clone baby yoda guys or is baby yoda an escaped clone i think they're trying to take his biological force sensitivityness and weaponize it somehow with troops Mm, interesting i don't think he's an ex- escaped clone because what I mean I would understand wanting him back if he was but then what's the point of doing the tests or what material mm. do they need from him or information do they need from him if it's just a matter of thing- getting property back which is a shitty way to but you know what I mean like a yeah something they consider property back then why do all the tests and stuff well he certainly People aren't looking at the species knowing what it is. No. They seem surprised. Like, like uh, Amy Sedaris in episode five is like, it's not like what she's What the like, hell is that? Yeah, yeah. Like, much like everybody else, like everybody's like cute baby, but it's, there's not, uh, it's certainly not common. And might I add that she did do one thing that I know I would do if I was holding baby Yoda, and that's rub his ears. Yeah, I I like that too. <laughs> She's like these big old ears. I was like, yeah, that's right. Um, all right, so we got one more email now. I want to warn you guys 
if you haven't finished Jedi Fallen Order, uh, you might want to skip the end of the show. I actually saved this specifically for that reason. Um, and I, the, Will, have you finished Jedi Fallen Order? I have not, but okay. I'll, I'll be all right. Well, it's it's something you brought up to me, so it's something I know you already know. So okay. I wouldn't bring it up if it wasn't. Like, I wouldn't. Because, um, shit, where did it go? I just had it. Okay, here we go. This is from Neil. Neil. Uh, no. Neil Diamond or Neil Young? I wish it was Neil Diamond. Uh, hey, Halls yeah. and Will. This email is going to into spoiler territory for Jedi Fallen Order. So if anyone has not beaten the game yet, please give them a few moments to skip forward a few minutes. After I beat the game, I went back to the, all the planets to get chests and secrets and fill out the hollow map parts I missed. When I returned to Ilum, it bears an uncanny resemblance to Starkiller Base with the same trench dug out of the middle of the planet. Now, I know that Starkiller Base pulls the power of the sun for its energy source, but do you think that energy is being focused through the kyber crystal formations of the planet to amplify the laser similar to the Death Star? I know may, this may have been discussed before, but revisit the planet and see what you guys think. Your friend in the Force, Neil. Um, so for anybody that might not be super familiar with Ilum, Ilum is like an ice planet that shows up in the Clone Wars where they go to get their kyber crystals. The Jedi go on like almost like vision oh. quests. Oh, like yeah, like a like a religious excursion. <clears throat> and when you go to visit there in Jedi Fallen Order, the Empire is actively mining kyber crystals and they've dug out this huge mining trench right through the middle of the planet and it does look just like Starkiller Base. Um and at the time the game is set, you have to assume they're mining those kyber crystals for the Death Star, right? Like they're doing in Rogue One. But I do think, because it, it's always been, and I don't know where the genesis of this theory came from, but since The Force Awakens, I've seen people theorizing that Starkiller Base is Ilum. Well, they keep honing in on this big thing that... Kyber, they, they spent several movies setting up the fact that kyber crystals are the the means by which the Death Star and Starkiller base, you know, kill, right? Like, that's how, I mean, that's basically what Rogue One is all about. Right. They do go great lengths to establish that. So, <clears throat> I don't know if people were just like, well, Starkiller base is an ice planet. Uh, Ilum is an ice planet. Maybe they're the same thing. Or if there were other hints, other places. But... Jedi Fallen Order definitely seems to confirm that at some point after the Empire's gone, the First Order moves in and turns Ilum into Starkiller Base. Starkiller Base. Starkiller and it's Base. really sad that that's perverse because it was a Jedi holy place. Right. Were like, that makes Starkiller Base more interesting because Starkiller Base almost my least like thing about Star Wars. Right? It does I, make I, it... Yeah, it sucks. I hate the way Hosnian Prime got blown up. I hated it visually. I hated how they executed it. Like, it doesn't make me go, I burn Star Wars. I watched Force Awakens a zillion times. <laughs> but I just, 
as a fan, it was like, ugh. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. It gives it that little bit of backstory I think it needed to make it interesting. And like Will mm. said, the fact that it's, you know, sort of the, the not the precursor. What's the opposite of a precursor? The, uh, the follow-up. The follow-up to the Empire moves in and sort of perverts this uh, holy Jedi place into being like a super weapon that destroys planets. Like that's way more interesting than anything we got about Starkiller base in the force awakens without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And it, as far as Neil's theory of it, it, that is probably exactly what they do. They use some sort of technology that focuses these clusters of Kyber crystals or whatever. But yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And it was a neat little moment in the game. When I <clears throat> when I saw that, I was like, oh shit, that's a neat little added bonus to canon in this game. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. Chris, buddy, thank you so much. I hope we didn't keep you too, too long. Um, before we go, why don't you plug your shows, where people can follow you, where they can find you, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, no, thank you to both of you having me on. Like, I, I love Blue Harvest. Um, I adore both of you. Um, yeah, you can find me at Chris Fresh on Twitter, or I host the Geek Dudes podcast. Um, it's not, it's not for everybody. It's, it's very not safe for work. Um, it's about life, love, and geeky things. We eventually talk about geek stuff. Um, but you'll certainly get to know way more about us than probably what you'd ever hope to. Um, and you can find Geek Dudes at Geek Dudes on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Dudes if you're a boomer. Um, and yeah, like, guys, thank you for having me on. I hope you guys, I hope Hawes, you and Jesse and Will, you and your family have the best Christmas and the best new year. And Oh, man, you too. I can't wait to hear what you guys think of the end of the Mandalorian and episode nine. Like this is going to be a golden age for star Wars podcasting coming up. Um, even though timing's sort of bad that everybody's going to be busy with the holidays. Um, we're certainly about to have a explosion of star oh. of star Wars, star Wars happenings that we almost can't even comprehend or begin to imagine. Yeah. It, and honestly, it's probably the, uh, the last time we're going to have this much for a few years. Like if I had to guess by the time the next theatrical movie is out, you know, there'll probably be a Disney plus series running, you know, in the vicinity of it as well. But for now, like, I don't know when we're going to get the, the one, two punch of the Disney plus the first star Wars, Disney plus series, the end of the Skywalker saga. It's really crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think January we get an announcement of a new movie. Is that what we believe? Uh, yeah, it, it seems like that's what they were saying in one of those articles is that we're going to find out at least the whoever's replacing the Game of Thrones guys for their the next Star Wars movie. Awesome. So, well, guys, uh, thanks for listening. If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star review. 
uh, on iTunes. And if you want to support our goofy little podcast, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast. And next week we got another guest lined up where we'll be talking episode six of the Mandalorian. And next week we're officially one week away from the rise of Skywalker. So until then, this has been blue harvest and I'm Hans Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. And I'm Chris Fresh. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.